What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. We are recording remotely tonight. I'm in my medical office in Dedham, Massachusetts. Justin at the Hedgebetter Studio in Braintree. Justin Fine, the CEO of Hedgebetter, my co-host as always. What's going on, my man? How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Another uh, another week, another week, championship week ahead of us. Uh, more stuff around the NFL. Lots of fun stuff to get into, I think. Great weekend of football this weekend. Unlike Super Wild Card Weekend, which was a disappointment, um, this was a great weekend. Three of the four games were great. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely. I And you, you know what? First off, I, I know we'll get into it, but just... All right, Peter, the Bills, man. That is just, uh, that's the first and oh. foremost. I mean, that, so oh. tough, so tough. Like, you just thought this was the year. I don't know how a franchise recovers, <laughs> you know? That, yeah, this- I mean, I, I, th- I think it was a little bit of, like, wishful thinking for just those of us that feel bad for Buffalo and their fans and see the window closing. And um, we're, we'll get into it in great detail. But, you know, they're, 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 they're $50 million over the cap. For next year, according to ESPN, so um, th- that might well have been their window closing shot last weekend. Yeah, definitely. I, I think honestly, it 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 might have been in uh, so so fitting. Unfortunately, yeah, we'll talk about it. But absolutely, yeah. all right. We're going to start with the Patriots. We're gonna we're gonna do just one episode today because it's um it's going to be that time of year where the content is dwindling down. There's only a few games left. Um, football season is 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 kind of almost over. There's only three games left in the NFL season. And there are of course, high stakes games and every play counts. Um, but this is the time of year. I think we really start to feel this is the first week you start to feel that wind down uh, as we approach the off season. We'll start with the Patriots, Justin, and I'm going to begin with the opening uh, take the start to the table for the rest of the podcast. That's the kickoff. And basically I, I want to talk a little bit more about the Gerard Mayo hire. I think that's still the top story around this New England Patriots franchise at this point. And we recorded on Tuesday of last week, and that was before the introductory press conference. And a lot was said in that press conference last Wednesday morning with Robert Kraft and Gerard Mayo that I think we need to break down. And let me just put it out there that, look, I, four and 13, four underwhelming years, well in the wrong direction this year, I wasn't worried because every team needs to rebuild. I wanted them to keep Bill Belichick, but I could see why they wanted to get rid of him. They got rid of him. I still wasn't worried. I said, they're going to rebuild this team. They bring in Gerard Mayo. And we talked about in the last episode of the podcast podcast, didn't love the hire felt like, you know, he just doesn't have the experience. I love the guy. I think he'll be a great coach, but, but I'm concerned about the lack of experience more than anything else, but I still wasn't worried. After watching that press conference last week, now I'm officially worried about the direction in the future of this New England Patriots franchise. It just felt it felt bizarre. Uh, I, I didn't love the tone of it. I, I'm glad that they're you know they're breaking down walls and, and opening up a little because I think that was needed. But I don't think you should go from one extreme to the other either. And that's what it felt like. It felt like they were really trying to force it to be collegial with each other which I just think really wasn't the right tone. And and look, I love Robert Kraft. He's a brilliant guy. He's a brilliant owner. I'm a Kraft Bobo and defender. You know that. Listen to this podcast. But I'm going to be fair and honest here. And I have to say that for him to get up there and say that the reason he hired Gerard Mayo is because of his intuition 
I'm sorry. That was the completely wrong tone comparing it to his two wives and how he picked his wives. For the first time, for the first time throughout this whole tailspin since the 2018 Super Bowl, since Brady left, I, I, I was, I'm worried about the franchise. And I'll even say this, you know, I joined the GPA trium as a season ticket holder this year. This is the first time I regretted that decision. I'm like, man, what is this franchise going to be like for the next six years? You know, I made a seven year commitment yeah. to that thing, which I love and I didn't regret. It was awesome. But I'm like, this could be a rough stretch. Justin, your thoughts on the Gerard Mayo introductory press conference, the higher the state of battle situation right now. So, I mean, you know, you'd asked me if I had seen it and I said, well, you know, I saw a couple clips on like Instagram and in TikTok and whatnot, but I said, no, I didn't really hear the whole thing. So I went back and I watched the whole thing and I got to say it, it was 40 minutes long. I think to be exact, it was like 39 minutes, 40 seconds, something like that. And it, maybe I, I missed it, but at no point did I hear anybody address anything football related with the New yep. England Patriots. Right. Yep. Like, and, and, and that's what I was going to say, you know, maybe I'm naive. Maybe like, I, I just am, am not aware, but I like, maybe that's customary, but everything about this almost seemed like a weird justification of the hiring, like a weird sort of like, put it in your face that there's going to be like a tonal and attitude shift in like the culture and like the environment and like the other thing that I, again, like it just, nothing seemed to like come back to football. Like I, I, I actually really respect Rob Mayo as a leader. He clearly seems like a very smart guy, a very good leader, but like everything came back down to like shaping and like developing men. Like I, I want to hear about like, what your, what's your presence on the football team? What's going to be the identity of this football right. team? Like, what are you going to do to improve on where, where you came up short last year? Like what, what, what are some plans you, that, that you might have that, 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 that we can look forward to in the, in the upcoming season that's going to help turn this Patriots team around? Like there was none of that. It was all no. just, it was, it was all just craft kind of mumbling around, you know, kind of spouting, spouting out about, you know, spiritual this and, and intuition that. Yeah. And then a lot of, you know, Gerard Mayo kind of just, I mean, Hey, putting it, putting out his, you know, his personal beliefs and, and that's great, but I just didn't hear any football. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, like, look, we're not looking for a Messiah. We're, we're looking for a football coach. And right. it, and I think you hit the nail on the head because I went through the transcript today and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'll go look again. Um, and I'll tell you why I went through the transcript in a second. I don't think they mentioned the word Super Bowl once. I don't think they really addressed who's going to pick the players, the GM situation, yep. how they're going to rebuild this offense, what the plan is on the field. None of those things were addressed, right? Right. But they mentioned Bill Belichick's name, I think, 12 or 13 times. And I thought that was ridiculous because I'm sitting there. I'm like, they keep they they, they keep bringing up Belichick directly. They inferred Belichick. Right. Some of the inferences were clearly inferences to Bill Belichick, even if they didn't mention him directly. Things yeah. like, um, you know, some of the things about titles and there, there was a whole bunch of those, too. And I'm watching this press conference, listening. And I'm like, you know, Bill Belichick's ghost looms so large in that building, even though he's gone. They're also thinking about them. If I was Robert Kraft and Gerard Mayo, I would have went into that press conference and we and we would have had an agreement that we're mentioning Bill Belichick one time. At the start of that press conference, and that's it. And we're paying him tribute and respect, and then we're moving on. Instead, they keep bringing him up. And it's like, look, I don't want to hear the pontificating. I don't want to hear about the guy that was 
here that you just fired. Right. I want to I want to know how are we going to get this football team as a season ticket holder and a fan back on track? And it just wasn't addressed. It struck me as just frankly, shockingly, because I know the crafts are the consummate professionals, but it struck me as just unprofessional, uh, completely tangential. And it just felt like, you know, what's the process? We talked about this last week. What what are we doing here to, to get this rebuilt? Are they doing this the right way? It doesn't feel like they're doing this the right way. It feels like they're doing this just, I don't know, based on what, intuition? I don't think that's going to do it. No, definitely not. And I, and I think to go back to something that we had been saying before, which was like, well, if they're going to get rid of Bill, you know, we said, well, hey, we don't just want more of Bill. We don't want a repackaged Bill wannabe. And I think we were all pretty much put on notice in that press conference that we're not getting Bill. We are definitely not getting Bill in in any sense, like in in to the point where which Gerard is a good even, thing, right. which is a good thing. Right, they needed to loosen up uh, for sure, for, for sure. And so, like in that sense, like we said, hey, we were worried that Gerard might be too much like Bill. I think we can all put that fear aside, right? Now the yeah. new fear is well, okay, the worry isn't about Gerard trying to be Bill or being too much like Bill. The worry is now. Gerard can be himself, but is himself a good NFL coach? That's what we don't. That's what we don't know. And none of those questions were answered. I mean, I came away from that press conference wanting to hire Gerard Mayo to be, like you've said before, the CEO of my company. Absolutely, I, 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 the CEO. But but nothing about him said that he should be the head football coach of the New England Patriots. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Justin. I really do. I I think it. I think it's super concerning and like. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I kind of love that he's opening up a bit because I feel like it's it, 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 Belichick created a lot of problems because he tried to clamp down on that stuff so strong that it actually created drama. Okay, and I think that there was always, especially the last like decade, there's been so much drama around this team, and one of the drivers of that was the way that Belichick was just so clamping down and all that stuff. And it would have been better just to say it. You look like Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. He just says it, and it's fine. But as glad as I am they're opening up, I don't think – I think they have to be careful also not to go too far. You know, I, I thought some of the stuff he said this week about Mac Jones, like, you know, again, like you're calling a guy out, a player out. We know Mac was a huge disappointment this year. But, you know, I feel like you got to also be fair to the players. You say too much, you kind of could be creating a bad situation for someone else. Um, I don't think, I, I think they really have to be cautious about not going too far with this sort of glass nose. Do you know what glass nose is, by the way? Uh, You're too young to know what glass nose is maybe, or maybe you do. I don't know, it sounds familiar, but give me, give me a refresher. It's, it's, I think it's the Russian word for thawing. So in this, in the eighties in the Soviet union, when they were like the iron curtain, you couldn't get any information out of there. And then when Gorbachev came, they had like the thawing, they called it glass nose. Okay, I think yeah, that's yeah, true. So, yeah, hopefully yeah. but 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 this is what this is like the Patriots now. It's like the Iron Curtain is melting. But let's not go too far here either, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I, there, I took I took things away from that press conference that you know there were a couple of things that made me feel good. But if anything, just to be completely frank, I had more questions in in more concerns than than anything coming away from it. But you know what? We'll we'll see. I mean, you can't. I guess you can't judge anything right now. That's right. I'll tell you one other thing. The other thing I hated that came out the day after the press conference was the the, the appointment of Robin Glazier. 
who's an attorney to be Mayo's um, assistant, uh, a chief chief advisor, I think is her title. And I find that concerning too. That that made me feel worse too, because I'm like, wait a second. So we got a rookie head coach that never coached a game and has never been a, a coordinator even in the NFL. And his senior advisor is an, is an attorney that has neither played coach um, an NFL team. I, I just, oh, that, wow. that also too makes that, me wonder no. like what's, what's going on inside the building there. And like, who has the acumen and the expertise to make the decision over there? Because, because it's very concerning that, that I feel like the people in charge don't really have it. It's very, very concerning. And again, like you said, it just, it seems like there's a lot of non-football related not only motivation but talk and all sorts of stuff going going on and like you said i didn't hear anything about this team getting better i didn't hear anything about this team Nothing. competing i didn't hear anything about this team returning to the playoffs vying for championships i didn't hear any of that all i heard was a lot of stuff that that can really do concern me as a as, as a fan yeah where, where's the focus you know i think right. that's what you're driving where's exactly the focus? Where, the focus on building this team or what right 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 because yeah I'm, I'm not really sure what the focus is at this point in, in in that spirit, I think I think we got to talk a little about uh, the coordinator search, which is one of the other big stories ongoing right now. Of course, the Patriots um, interviewing candidates for both offensive and defensive coordinator position. And and my take on this, Justin, and, and I'd like to see what you think about it, is just that look. I'm if I were them, I would be trying to bring in experienced coordinators that had, that had maybe been head coaches before or at least had a lot of experience as coordinator. And what I'm hearing, and I have mixed feelings on this, is I'm hearing them interviewing a lot of candidates that don't have that kind of experience. And like, you got a head coach with absolutely no head coaching experience. Don't you want a defensive or offensive coordinator that has at least done the job before that can kind of point him in the right direction about how to do things? And it feels like they're just bringing in a lot of young um up and coming talents, which I think in a sense could be a good thing. But I, I wonder who's, who's going to help Gerard Mayo make decisions. If you got like a, a Nick Cayley or a Zach Robinson as your OC, which is a couple of the names being thrown out there. And you have a Demarcus Covington, our defensive line coach, who's an up and coming guy and probably will be a great defensive coordinator. And so, I, but, but I wonder who, who who's going to help, who's going to bring the experience to the staff, you know, I mean, I, I don't really know. Uh, I don't really know who. I mean, look, they kind of, you know, the vibe that I got, and I, I feel like if we went back and checked the transcript, I, I almost could swore, like, he said this, like, explicitly. But the vibe that I got from Mayo was that there, were, there wasn't a ton of urgency in this rebuild, right? I got the vibe that, like, we're going to – we're going to strip things down to the bone and build things back up my way with the the culture and the, uh, in, in the process that I envision. And that may not happen immediately. And he even pointed out that like some of the people that are here are not people that he chose to be here. Right. He pointed out like, like he made little comments that basically made it seem like, look, like I'm willing to do whatever it takes to implement my new culture and my new philosophy. And I think that, in terms of what he would be looking for, I can way 
way easier see him saying, hey, I'm going to bring in somebody that I know will it follow me. I know they'll adhere to my philosophy. I know we see eye to eye. And then we may be like a year or two of growing pains with them to get them up to speed. Yeah. But I'd rather that than bringing in like an OC or a, a DC that's going to be stubborn, that's stuck in their ways, that's not fully bought into what I'm you know, not buying what I'm selling. So I don't know. I think that's like what we're going to get. I think we're going to get a couple of years of like growing pains out of the Mayo administration, yeah. if you will. I, I agree with that. I, I think the organization is approaching it like it, it's a long-term rebuild and it's going to take a couple of years. And I think that's clearly reflected in the way they're building this, this coaching staff. I mean, like, I love the idea of bringing in like a Zach Robinson or, or someone from the Rams, you know, the Sean McVay coaching tree. Like, I think that's a great thing to do. And like, let's, let's bring in a new offense. Like we don't need to recycle the same old names and faces. Like let's bring in someone with some new energy. And, and I don't necessarily hate the idea of DeMarcus Covington as a D coordinator, but I just think at, at some point, someone's got to have some coaching experience. Don't, don't they? I guess, I guess not. Maybe I'm just like overvaluing that. What did you think, Justin, of, um, of the fact that Bill O'Brien, a uh, jump ship, uh, I, I gotta say, you know, my initial reaction was, again, I thought it was good to have someone with experience. The more I thought of it, I was like, you know what? They're probably better off just going in another direction. I mean, it just didn't work last year with O'Brien. Yeah. And I, again, you know, just seeming to know what I know about what we've heard from Mayo and what we kind of know of Bill O'Brien. I don't know. It just didn't seem like the two of them would would flow or, or mesh well as, as head coach at yeah. UC, right? It just just seems like Mayo was looking for somebody who is, who's moldable, like I said, who's bought into – you know, what he's selling. And I just, I just can't see Bill O'Brien being that guy and slotting into that role, you know? Yeah, the total, totally. I, th I think, I think it was a mutual, right. mutually in both parties interest to, ju to just move on. And I, I really think they, they're going to start back at square one here, bring in, bring in a new coordinator and see what they can do. What about the, um, the Belichick brothers, Brian and Steven, both apparently have been offered jobs by mail. Um, and uh, this doesn't, Again, like I think they've both done a good job, so it doesn't bother me that that they the Patriots would want to keep them at all. Like I think those would be good additions to this coaching staff, experienced coaches that that sort of know the players here will add to continuity on the defense. Like kind of all for keeping Steve and Brian Belichick here if they're willing to stay. Yeah, I mean, I I have nothing against them. My question would be, and you know, I don't know this, but I'm wondering how much that offer is because Gerard Mayo wants them to be there. And I'm wondering how much of that was like a wink and a nod from Robert Kraft that like, Hey, is part of like this transition, like, you know, we are going to offer them a position and they can, you know, I, th I think it's probably like a, you know, at the end of the day, maybe they'll follow, follow their dad to Atlanta. Maybe they'll, they'll see the writing on the wall that it's, it's a lateral movement for them. But I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, do you if think I were them though, I would I wouldn't want to follow the father to wherever he ends up. Like I think I think they have reached a point in their career where they've they've had some success. They've proven they belong in the league, and I think that their next step has to be like forging their own identity for themselves and proving they can do it outside of their father's um, shadow. So I actually think that like for both of them, it would make a lot of sense for them to stay here it, it, without their father and prove that they can they can do it. I get that, but like by the same token, like you think about Steven, right? And it's like him and Gerard were like co-running the defense for the last two years, right? So like yep. I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, if Gerard gets promoted to the head coach, naturally you would think Steve would just become the sole defensive coordinator, right? And he got jumped by 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 the Covington guy, right? And so 
I mean, you know, that, that may be the right move, but I maybe that Stephen Belichick looks at that and says, hey, you know, if maybe I don't have the future here in the in with with the Mayo staff that I thought I did, because rightfully I would be slotting in as the the next defensive coordinator. Yeah, but other side of the coin, you know, he he comes in, he he's in a place that if nothing else, they have a good defense. He shows that he can continue to be part of a team and an effective contributor to a good defense. And it really advances his career to the next step where now he can actually maybe go and establish himself and get a job as a coordinator in another franchise that I think right now, I don't think anyone's going to take that that chance on him at this point or either one of them. I just think that like, look, is it, is it a step back in terms of their title in this franchise? Yes, but it might be a step in the right direction for both of their careers. If I were them, I, I'd definitely stay. In, or if, and if I didn't want to stay here, I'd go to somewhere that was willing to take me that didn't involve their father. Really would. Um, one last one about the um, the sort of construction of, of the uh, leadership team here, and then we're going to move on, Justin. They still haven't named a GM yet. It doesn't look like they're interviewing or any hurry on that. I hate it because, to be honest with you, I think the, 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 the personnel on this team is the biggest problem that they have. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't understand why they're not going after a GM. Um, I guess they're going to run with Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh, and maybe they have information internally that, that makes them believe that these guys can do the job. Like, I mean, would it surprise you if Bill Belichick was just like completely picking players off the cuff that, that these guys really weren't recommending? I mean, that's almost kind of what's implied by the fact that these two haven't lost their job yet, but it feels like they're going to stay internally with the GM for better or worse right now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think we kind of touched on it last week. Like if Belichick is the only one that's really kind of, ushered out the door. What does that really say in terms of like, not only where the blame lies, but who actually was pulling the strings and making those decisions like the last couple of years, right? Like, I mean, look, I, you don't know, maybe it, maybe in reality it didn't play out this way, but the way the crafts and the, the Patriots are framing this is that, Hey, the other people weren't actually as involved as maybe we thought they were. And maybe that bill was really still kind of you know, pulling all the strings in, in, in responsible for a lot of those poor decisions. So I don't know. I mean, I, if it, if that's not the case, I can't understand for the life of me, why they would still be around or why they would still have a job. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking at this point, like that's kind of just, a, another dig. Like you talked about why they, they kept bringing up bill the other day. I, I almost think that it's like, uh, it's like a little bit of like a scorned like lover. It's like you're like the obsession. Like, you know, I think Robert Kraft maybe is like so upset about the fact that, you know, he got rid of Brady. He botched the rebuild. You know, maybe he views Bill as responsible for why the franchise is in the state that it's in. And and, and maybe he just can't help but 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 take his shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's obviously a lot, a lot of emotions there, you know, from both sides of it. Um, let, let's talk a little bit, Justin, about Belichick and his situation because I'll tell you right now, like, I'm really surprised that Bill Belichick, I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't been hired yet. What I'm really surprised at is that they're, they're, that the NFL franchises that are the kind of losing franchises that need head coaches, new head coaches, have all shown enough judgment and discretion to not hire Bill Belichick. Because when I say that I wanted Bill Belichick here for another year, I meant that 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 doesn't mean I necessarily think it would be a good idea for another franchise to bring him in. And I think that the only circumstances that I would 
as a, if I was an NFL owner, would bring Bill Belichick back in to in to lead my franchise would be if he was willing to be coach alone. And I think what you're clearly seeing is that he wants to build a program and have total control. And I think that that's why he probably does not have the value to other franchises that we thought he did. Reporting today indicated that the situation with Atlanta has kind of dried up and Atlanta is not as interested in him. Um, there's only three NFL head coaching jobs open right now besides Atlanta. That's Seattle, Carolina, and the Redskins. Am I mistaken? So four jobs open, right? Yeah. Carolina just hired a GM. The commanders have already hired a GM. I don't see Seattle going after Belichick. There's been no talk about that. You know, there's rumors the Bills might fire McDermott. We'll see if that opens up. But the only option for Bill is Atlanta, really, right now, if you ask me. And they're not interested, or they seem less interested. So I think the market is clearly telling you that teams, franchises, are concerned to bring Bill Belichick in. Because why? Because of his performance here the last few years. Why doesn't anyone want to bring Justin? Justin, why doesn't anyone want to bring Bill Belichick in to run their franchise? Well, it certainly is weird that um, I, I I know there haven't there aren't a ton of open vacancies, but I mean you haven't really heard about anybody else being interested. You haven't really heard about rumors or, or, or mutual interest anywhere else. Um, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of teams are just cautious right now. I think, you know, to your point, it's like when Belichick was here, I definitely didn't have a problem with giving him another year or, or, or you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I think to bring him in to kind of, re-kickstart uh, his career in your program at this point might be too tall of a task. I I, I really think so. Like, I think to, I think, wow. you know, I think what we're saying is that, look, Belichick, the coach uh, deserves another shot and Belichick, the coach has some left in the tank, but nobody wants to take a chance on Belichick, the GM. And it sounds like for, you know, the question right. that we had was, well, for, with Bill, is that a deal breaker? Is that something at this age he's still holding firm on? Is that something that's, you know, that's, that's going to really impact his next decision? I, mean, I think the answer to that is absolutely yeah. 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 I think he, we talked about this last week. Like, you know, she shouldn't only want to be coach, but he probably does want to be GM. And I think the fact that no one has hired him yet is telling you the answer to that question. This guy's coming in and saying, I'm building a program. I want to have total control. And if you're an NFL owner, I mean, you tell me, Justin, would you want Bill? I mean, based on, what's happened in Foxborough, New England, the last five years. And let me just bring up a few things that, you know, if you're an owner, you, you'd have to probably take if you bring in Bill Belichick to run your program. All the friends, the, the coordinators, Josh McDaniels, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, right? All these guys that we all have major questions about. Now you're stuck with them too. You're giving your franchise to those guys. Um, you're going to have to take a certain kind of player, right? He's taking the guard in your first round pick. He's trading back. You're going to have to deal with all that. Um, a philosophy that we don't know if it works anymore, especially offensively more than anything. I think defensively, obviously, he still coaches well. And then don't discount this. He's the first year franchise. How about his demeanor? Look at the way he treated people as things, you know, and I love the guy. Don't get me wrong, but like the way he presented the problems he created sometimes from like the way he handles the press and the media. I'm sorry. That's part of running an NFL franchise in 2024. And he, I think, really struggled with that. And you add it all up. And would you want Bill if you were an owner, Justin? Because 
only way I'd want him is if he could just coach. If he was willing to come in and just be the coach and let someone else do all that other stuff, I, I'd be considerate of it. But if he wants all of that, there's no way I want this guy as an owner right now. Yeah, I, I agree completely, especially because look, if if I'm one of these other teams in the league that's looking to rebuild a franchise or come in and turn my franchise around, just look at Bill, for starters, just look at Bill's track record with spending. Like if, if you're a team that's looking to to change in 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 bring in bring in some new players, some new life, turn the turn the program around. Do you want to be like dead last or near dead last in the league in terms of spending and free agency over the right. next couple of years? So like like you look at that and you say, well, you know, are are you going to teach an old dog new tricks at this point? Is are you going to bring Bill Belichick the GM in and all of a sudden he's going to start shelling out big contracts for for skilled players and he's going to start you know doing this and do it. like it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? So I think it's right. a lot of a lot of cause for Even concern. As an owner, you're going to go to him and say, Bill, I think we we should look at this. And he's going to tell you to buzz off. Yeah, and you know, and, and I mean, and I think I mean, look at. What do you think Robert Kraft said to Arthur Blank when Arthur Blank called him and said, hey, what were things really like, Robert, the last few years with Bill Belichick? I mean, don't you think that gives any owner pause? You don't think these guys talk? There's only 32 of them. And I'm sorry, like, it doesn't sound like as great a coach as Belichick was. Like, there was a lot of dysfunction in this organization the last few years that I think is going to follow Bill. And, and I'm sure, candidly, Robert Kraft is going to be all too happy and willing to, to share that information with, with other owners when they consider hiring him. So that's one piece, right? And then how about this? Like, just think practically about the jobs that are left available. And if you're the, if you're the Carolina Panthers and you've seen what Bill Belichick just did to Mac Jones, do you want to bring him in to develop and hopefully get the best out of Bryce Young? Or if you're the, the, the commanders and you draft, you know, uh, Jaden Daniels with the number two pick, which is what Mel Kuyper's mock draft release today had um, the commanders taken, who they had him taken. You're going to trust Bill Belichick to develop Jaden Daniels, you know, and then he goes and takes City So in, with your first round pick. I mean, it's it, it it doesn't feel like a lot of them are good fits, you know. No, I know, and you know, I I just want to say too, I I love Jaden Daniels. He's my favorite quarterback in the draft class, and yeah. I think. I I was thrilled to to hear that you know the mocks had him falling to us at number three. If he does go number two, I mean, and then turns out to be a, a, as good of a quarterback as people are anticipating, which hence I think why he's rising up so many draft boards. Is that just going to be another like Bill Belichick like kicking the nuts? Like the fact that yeah. like he went out there and and won some games that just didn't need to be won that wound up in the reason why we missed out on a franchise altering quarterback potentially like I don't want to go down the rabbit hole but you know no but I t I told you two three weeks ago we recorded after that Jets game I mean getting that number three pick it's gonna burn this team it's gonna it's gonna burn them on draft day and um I like Drake May I don't know if I'm sold on Daniels at Justin but Daniels is shooting up draft boards right now and and I'll tell you right now like if you're asking me Jaden Daniels isn't gonna be there at the number three pick Either someone's going to trade up to get him or the commanders are going to take him. Like he is rising fast. He's red hot commodity. He's like the Anthony Richardson of, of this year. Yeah. And someone's going to, someone's going to take that guy before the Patriots have the chance to take him. So you're right. I mean, it, it could be a situation where a couple of those late season wins just really come back to, 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 to bite 
um, Belichick. Okay, Justin, any, any more thoughts about Belichick's situation in Atlanta, um, wh- where he's going to end up? Anything else you want to say? No, no, that's it. That's it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious though. Very interested to see what happens. Very interested to see what, 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 what comes forth about the situation in Atlanta. If there's any teams that emerge. Is, is Bill Belichick going to be coaching next year? Cause I'm going to, I actually think, I, I don't think he is. And if, and if not, does that mean he's done? You know, at 73 in 2025, is he going to be, you know, is the team going to be taking him on? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. He, maybe he, uh, I don't know. Could you see him playing like that old Tom Coughlin role with the Jaguars type of, like a, like a president? Like a, yeah. But look how bad he was in, in the front office here. I think it's like a catch 22 for him. You know, yeah. I, I almost feel bad for the guy. If you think about it, Justin, right? Like when a coach gets fired, how often do they jump right back into the next job? Don't they usually like take a year, maybe go on TV, work as a coordinator? Like how often do you go from head coaching job to head coaching job? Now, I know it does happen. I mean, it's probably going to happen with Mike Vrabel this year. But and Belichick's a legend, right? And he's obviously, uh, in, in a sense, a great coach. But I, I just think it's kind of like a catch-22 because you take a year or two and then what are you, 73, 74, and now you're going to to, to an owner and you're saying, I'm going to build a, a five-year program and, I, and it'll be done when I'm 80. I, you know, I don't know. Like, I just feel like, I feel like it's a little more of a daunting situation for Belichick than, than maybe we, people realize or we, we all realized up to this point. And, and I truly wouldn't be surprised if, if he never coaches again. Well, you know what? I think, uh, I think he would retire too before he lets himself kind of get dragged through the mud, right? Because yeah. I, I don't think like he's going to go and, uh, you know, if 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 the the Falcons aren't interested in him or if there's really not too much interest, I don't see him floundering out there looking for a suitor. You know what I mean? I think and, he and wants to be just say this. Let me, sorry to interrupt you. Let me just yeah. say this too. Like, and maybe I'd like to hear what your thoughts on this are. Like, I want him to retire. I mean, selfishly, if he didn't retire, I would love it because it's entertaining. But if you're asking me, like, what I really, what would I recommend for him to do would be to retire. Get out of it, Bill. You know, do we really need to see the Vince Lombardi with the Redskins or the second Joe Gibbs stint or Bill Parcells with um, with the Cowboys? Do we really need to see that with Bill Belichick? It's it's just time to move on. You get on television Enjoy yourself. Be the grand grandfather of the sport for a decade, you know, and and and, um, and and just move on. That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done. I think, especially when you think about the fact that Tom Brady left, and we all said the same thing, and he wouldn't want a Super Bowl, right? So it's like yeah. I don't know. You know, this is a very ego driven guy, a very competitive guy. Um, True. You know, I don't know. Maybe we'll see if he lets himself right off into the sunset. Yeah. But when it when it comes down to it, you know, his legacy is still going to be pretty damn good Definitely. if he walks away right now. And people are going to look at these last few years. It's going to be like, hey, look, just like the curve, it rose and it fell, just like Tom Landry and some of the other great coaches. You know, no nobody looks down upon Tom Landry because he ended his career with like a 1-15 in and five seasons well below 500. You know, Tom Landry's still a legend. Belichick will be a legend. Time will pass. And people will remember the, what he accomplished in the good times. And like, I don't think he needs to go out and go to Atlanta and try and prove himself, you know. And I would also say the odds of this being successful and him winning a Super Bowl as a as a coach with another franchise are next to none. Especially if he wants to 
um, rebuild the program from the ground up. I just, I just don't see it happening. I really don't. Like, I think his best bet would be to take over a team like Buffalo or Dallas. But even then, I, I mean, come on, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. I think, I think cashing out is the sensible thing for him to do. But watch, he'll probably like, he'll probably like take a job tonight and make this look like a stupid take. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this is. Maybe it's selfish of me, but oh, I would love, love the narrative if he went over to Buffalo. Oh, like, oh yeah. That would, I mean, talk about good for the league, good for the sport. I mean, that, that would just be in, right. just an injection of, of, of lifeblood into, into football. But, but, you know, like think about that too. Like, okay. So your ballot, you, you fight, you get rid of Sean McDermott, who's got you to the divisional round of the playoffs, four straight years, developed your young quarterback. And you're bringing in Belichick. That's great. You know, is that what happens if that doesn't work out so well? What, hey, you know, I'm not saying it's smart. I'm just saying it would make for a hell of a an off season. Oh, in it a, would make it in, in, in a 2024. Yeah. So, so would you? If you're a Buffalo, would you go after Belichick? I mean, I I should they go after Buffalo Belichick? I don't know, but like, could they go after him? I could see it. I could see it, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's the Buffalo's in a real tough situation. They're between a rock and a hard place. I think something's got to change because uh, I and, and that's either got to be the head coach or the quarterback. I don't. I, I don't think they're moving on from Josh Allen. So I mean, I, I, don't, know. I don't know where that franchise goes from here. That's but I don't saying. know if Bill Belichick is the answer, though. I mean, I feel like that's kind of a desperation move. You're bringing in this guy who, by the way, has said derogatory things about your quarterback Josh Allen in the past, and you're bringing him in. I, I, with a fifty million dollar above the cap cap number, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the answer right there. To be honest with you, I, I mean McDermott's yeah. a good coach; he's a great one. No, we're, we're going to get into some of the mistakes he made this Sunday. But if I'm Buffalo, I'm, I'm absolutely not doing it. I, 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 last thing I want is to touch this guy, um, and 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 um, and 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 you know, plummet from the divisional round back to mediocrity if if it doesn't work out. Um, and then, okay, one more quick Patriots take, Justin, then let's get to the divisional round games. Quick quick thing I got to say, there was a report this week about Michael Owenau potentially not coming back to the Patriots because the Patriots anticipate he's going to command big money in the free agency market. And, and let me just say this about um, that situation. The Patriots have, I think, one of the highest amounts of available cap room in the league. Go out and pay Michael Owenau. You need a tackle. You have a tackle. Pay Michael Owen you like he's a tackle. Don't pay him like he's a guard. Put him in at one of your tackle spots, and it fills a huge hole on this roster, right? Like, what are they doing even thinking of letting this guy walk out the door? Re-sign Michael Owen AU today. Pay him big money and keep him here. He's a great player. He plays two positions. You're going to have a rookie quarterback. You got holes on your line at other spots. You need this guy. And you have to pay him. Do not let this guy walk out the door. I agree. Well, you know, look, maybe maybe we'll start to see the difference in the Mayo regime quicker, you know, and sooner rather than later. Because maybe maybe they do make a make a move, and it would be refreshing. Actually, I think. Don't you think that would be a statement if, like, you know, Mayo came out like soon after and and, and resigned Owenau like for for a decent contract? Like, I think that'd be a statement move. Yeah, I do. I think it would be a huge statement move. I think it would be a huge statement move. I think, and I mean, Mayo even came out and said they got cash to spend. I mean, that was a very, um, you know, 
open thing to say, you know, to say they have money and they're going to spend it. So yep. I think, I think they should, they should spend. I mean, I would love, I think they should start right and take care of their own house. Yep. And that means, you know, signing, signing, um, signing, um, signing Michael and a right away. All right, let's move to uh, around the league, Justin. Um, unless you have any more thoughts on the Pats. No, let's do it. All right. We're going to talk. I'm going to switch to my uh, phone from 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 this, Justin, because my battery's in low, just so you know, okay? All right, sounds good. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. All right. Recording stopped. Okay. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Okay, so let's go to let's All let's right. go to around the league. Um, I, I think we'll just take the games in order a, a way we saw them uh, on television the other day. And I want to start with um, the Texans and the the Ravens. I thought that was the least interesting game of the weekend. Obviously, um, I I just felt like the only take home I could say from that is that I just felt like the Texans were completely outmanned. I did not, you know, I, I think that that when you really got into that game, if it wasn't for that punt return, I mean, they would have been held to three points. Stroud didn't do much. They really couldn't keep up with the Ravens. And I, I just think it was a total mismatch. Yeah, the Ravens are good. They're really good. That's a, that's a good team. Lamar Lamar's playing it, it, it at such a good level right now. Um, but that Texans team, to your point, like that's t- clearly a team with a lot of heart, a lot of grit, good your first year coach, good rookie quarterback, but but that's not a team that can go into Baltimore right now and and, and win a game like that, right? And I th- and I think we saw that they're just outmatched from a from a talent and a and a personnel level, and that's you know that's what we saw. CJ Stroud still played a good game. It's just overall he was, he was okay. He didn't he didn't he didn't sell the farm like he didn't make too many huge mistakes right. or any huge mistakes, but they they just couldn't keep up with that Baltimore team and, and that defense in particular when they're at home is so so good that that I think it's going to be, um, you know, I, I, I felt like it would have taken a miracle for the Houston's to be even in, in that game. And as I said, they got a huge break with that part return. I mean, that, that was lucky that that even happened. You can't count on plays like that. And it kind of kept them a little bit in the game, but Baltimore just pulled away at the end. And, and I think, uh, you know, the Ravens, look, they're clearly the best team in the NFL right now. And I think that they showed that on, 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 on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. The Ravens are playing well, man. That's, that that's going to be a tough team to beat. I mean, I think they got the, the, the monkey off their back, so to speak, right? Like they got that big win statement, win, four total touchdowns from Lamar, like just absolutely yep. like, you know, um, looked like the top dog. So, uh, I, I, that was the thing I think that was preventing this team the most was like the stigma. The, 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 the rumors, the, the, rep, the, the, the reputation, the, the whispers. I think now that that's gone, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if this team can, can cook for two more games. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it was a big win just to kind of get a lot of that negative momentum off of Lamar Jackson's back and, and just kind of, kind of clear the air. Um, I think and it, it helped. It's going to help them. I think move forward as a franchise. Okay, next one up is I think a, a much better game with a lot more to talk about, and that was the Green Bay and San Francisco game from Saturday night. And my take on this game, Justin, you know we've seen this before, where the team that gets off to a slow start and then gets hot at the right time 
might actually be the better team and none of us just realize it. Yeah. And it to me, Green Bay, they look like the better team throughout that entire game on Saturday night compared to the 49ers who are supposed to be the best or second best team in the league. Maybe there was a little rest on the 49ers because they hadn't played in three weeks. But I was, of all things about that game, I was shocked at the way the Packers were able to run that ball, be physical on offense, and really almost move the ball all night and have their way with the San Francisco defense, especially at the line of scrimmage. And I think it's a huge concern for that 49ers defense supposed to be the calling card of that team, the way they were manhandled by the Packers on Saturday night. Yeah. The, the, the Packers really, um, they look, Jordan, first off, start with Jordan love, Jordan love. Like I gotta, I might have to eat crow in this one. You know what I mean? I, I still get to be right about Trevor Lawrence and some of those other bombs, but, but Jordan love is one that I, I might have to, uh, say that I was wrong about. Like Jordan love really does look like a good young quarterback. He looks pretty poised. I mean, he really came on strong. Like he he went into San Fran and like he did his thing. Like I honestly thought that Green Bay was going to win that game. They should have won that oh, game. Yeah. Um, won that. You know, it, it it's kind of kind of a shame that they didn't. They really were the better team for for three and a half quarters. Um, but you know, it, to your point, yeah, it it really is all about like building like that momentum and 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 playing the your best football at the right time. And, and, and the Packers really were peaking. And that's the Packers, I believe, are the youngest team in the NFL. If you, yeah, by average sure. age of their starters, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, so. I mean, there, there were there was a few plays in that game that I thought killed Green Bay and, and really and allowed San Francisco to escape with a win. And that's how I would say it. They escaped with a win. They had no business winning that game. They were outplayed for 55 minutes, as you alluded to. Um, number one, they dropped the pick six. Brock Purdy gave them. A touchdown, right? And 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 I forget which Green Bay defender it was. He bounced off his hands. That would have been a, a free touchdown for Green Bay. That didn't happen. They went for a fourth and inches in the first half that they didn't get. That that they really should have gotten, could have gotten, they might have gotten. They got a terrible spot, and that was as good as a turnover. And then Jordan Love had an interception bounce off someone's hands that gave the Niners an extra possession that I thought was a huge play. And of course the missed field goal at the end. So yeah. you take those four plays and I think if any one of them go the other way, the better team who is the green Bay Packers on that night w- wins that game. It didn't work out that way. And, and the 49ers just got very lucky, very lucky that all that went right for them. They got super lucky. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, that whole organization got Super lucky because if if the Packers and Jordan Love waltzed in there in, in, in the divisional round and, and took care of business, there would have been a lot, a lot of questions and uh, and, and negative energy and and press uh, heading in that direction. But they escaped by the skin of their teeth. Um, and it's going to be super interesting to watch them to play to watch them play the Lions next week. I'm looking forward to that game, man. I think that's going to be a great one. Yeah, uh, epic. The, yeah, it, 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 that's that's going to be a fantastic game. And you know, I, I won't spoil it just yet, but uh, but I don't know. I think the 49ers are going to have their hands full. What about uh, Brock Purdy, Justin? What did you think of his performance? Because I mean, look, I give him credit because he made a few big time throws yeah. in the final few minutes of that game. 
that, 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 Hey, look, you know, it's, that's huge. Cause a lot of guys can't do that, but he played like garbage for most of that game. You know, some people blame it on the wet football, whatever it was, Purdy did not look good in that game for a huge stretch of time. I mean, there was a, there was a point in that third quarter and early in the fourth quarter where Purdy was about as shaky as the quarterback could be. It was Mac Jones-like, okay, at, at a point in that third quarter, right? I don't think that's an exaggeration. Like, he was shaky. He missed a ton of throws. He looked like he was seeing ghosts. It was not a great performance. But to his credit, he rallied, and he hit some big-time throws late in that game. Don't get me wrong. Um, I thought it was a shaky performance for Brock Purdy overall. Yeah, it wasn't his best one. I mean, look, I'm sure he – you know, I think there's probably a little bit of nerves too. I think we'd be we'd be lying if he, we said he probably wasn't feeling a little bit of pressure, a little bit of nerves. I'd be really curious to see how like, hey, now that he got a game out of the way, now he's you know he's he's got that playoff win this year. Um, I'd be curious to see if he kind of settles down next week against the Lions. But to your point, like yeah, he he did not play a great game, didn't look his best, um, and I would be a little nervous if I'm the 49ers next week. And don't get me wrong, I like Purdy. You know, I I've do been, too. I've yeah, been on for sure. Well, yeah, but I just got a call, like I see it, and and that was a bad, bad performance for him at times. But you know, look, like like a lot of like a lot of these guys, you know, it it doesn't always go smooth, and a lot of it does come down to how you recover. Right. And to Purdy's credit, he was able to recover, and he he did make some big time throws on those last two drives that that essentially won the 49ers the game. I got one more take on this game, Justin, before we move on, and that's um. Look, I love Debo Samuel yeah. as a player. I really do. But I'm kind of done with him yeah. because from the 49ers, they're paying this guy a ton of money. He's a huge cap number for them. He gets hurt. You cannot trust or rely on this player um, to be there for you when you need him. And his absence on Saturday night was absolutely a huge reason why Purdy struggled and the 49ers often struggled. But it's hard for the course. This isn't the first time. Debo Samuel hasn't been there when the 49ers need him. I don't know how you trust this guy. If you're the 49ers going into next season, pay him big money when he gets hurt all the time. Yeah, dude. I, he's like, I. it just reiterated that this 49ers team, like their fate really does hang in the balance, man. Like this is a team that like has all of their, uh, all of their reliance on guys who have historically been shown to have health issues like George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and now your second year quarterback who is, he's fine now, but I mean, you know, last year he got hurt. So it's like everybody that you're relying on, you know, is just like one awkward play away from, from going down. They're just like the least resilient team in terms of like their, 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 their durability and, and their injuries. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very scary. Cause like, look, Debo, their whole offense was different when he was when, after he got out I Every, mean, that was huge everything was different and you look and they say oh well you know is is is, is he going to be back on Sunday maybe maybe not but like what happens if Debo's not back on Sunday and then George Kittle goes down or Christian McCaffrey goes down or, right, you know what I mean right. like this is just like a domino effect where like this team can really slowly go from being super top heavy to being super in a hole uh, very quickly and you know what we said it all year you go back to September October when the 49ers kind of got off to a fast start and looked like they were the best team in the league. And we said, it's all going to come down to who's healthy and available. 
in in January for them. And I think that 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 is that is exactly the case. I mean, they 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 were so lucky to escape with that win. And if they didn't, the Debo Samuel injury would have been one of the things you really look at and say, you know, this this was a huge factor in how they 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 got this exit here. One more take on this game, and, and, and I'm just curious what you think about this because I heard the stat in the broadcast Saturday night, and I was floored. Did I hear that Kyle Shanahan is 0-30 in close games as as the head coach of the 49ers? Is that, is that, is that true? I'm going to have to look that up. Close games meaning what? Like Less than seven points. Okay, that they, they, they when they that, that when no oh, when they were trailing that's what it was when they were trailing by more than seven points at any point in the game, Kyle Shanahan is zero and thirty as the head coach of the 49ers. That's what the stat was. Wow. The Niners had never had a comeback by yeah. seven or more points at any time in Kyle Shanahan's tenure as head coach of the 49ers. I think that's mind blowing. It is kind of mind blowing, and. Uh... I'm trying to think. Did they snap that this weekend? What were, what were they down at Green yeah, Bay? Yeah, they, they were down what? They 10? were down seven points. They were down seven points. Oh, so seven. Point. So they they didn't even beat it. They just they they that was like their they tied their best seven points. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But they but they've never they've, they've never they never had even seven before. Wow. Which is which is crazy. Like you know you think about all the all the the, the games that team has won, and, and they've never had a big comeback that that. You know, I mean, even Mac Jones had a, a good comeback this year. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's just a, it's mind blowing. But I don't know if that's a little bit of a reflection on the way Shanahan coaches, and and if he's he's you know the reputation around the league is kind of conservative. I don't know if that's where that comes from, but I just thought that was a really interesting stat. I was I was shocked to hear it. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... Honestly, but by the same token, though, I'm thinking back now. I'm like, can you remember a time the 49ers made like some big comeback win or did it? You know, I I, I can't. No, I can't. I really yeah. can't. And I, I I remember them blowing out a lot of teams when they win. It feels like they they destroy teams, but I don't remember a signature comeback that I can really think of. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Detroit uh, and, and Tampa Bay game, Justin. I mean, the Lions are America's team. I had a feeling that that would be a competitive game. The Lions kind of pulled away at the end there. Um, my take on this is something I've said before on this podcast, but I'm going to just emphasize it because it's something I was right about, and I like to only bring up the things that I was right about and not the things I was wrong about. So Fair do you enough. blame yeah. me for that? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. You can say it. It's okay. He's not Joe Montana or Pat Mahomes. Or Tom Brady, he is a fifth to tenth best quarterback in the NFL. People look at Jared Goff like he is absolute trash, like he's a liability. Yeah. Look at the statistics this guy has put up the last two seasons. He's second in passing yards. He's fourth in touchdowns. He's like fifth or sixth in quarterback rating this year. It was the same last year. He had several four thousand yard seasons with the Rams. He had a couple seasons where he had like 20 or 30 touchdowns or flirted with 30 touchdowns and only a few picks. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. You don't have to be afraid to say it. He's showing it on the field. Doesn't mean he's going to win the Super Bowl this year. He might go out and look terrible in San Francisco this week because 49ers have a way of doing that, or they did at least up until last Saturday, to a lot of quarterbacks. 
But it doesn't make the guy trash if he goes out and loses this week. It's a good quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's got the experience. He uh, he's got the chip in his shoulder. He's got the storyline. I mean, and he's playing really well. Like he's arguably, you know, the hottest quarterback in the playoffs right now. Yes, and he's the most experienced quarterback in the NFC, which is, I think, the thing we said yeah. in November, right? Because well, no one was looking at him. I mean, you look at Jalen Hurts and and Dak Prescott. Jared Goff is the most playoff-tested and experienced quarterback in the National Football Conference. No question about it. And he's going against this week a, a guy that's a second-year starter. I mean, you tell me, which team has the better quarterback this week, the Niners or the or the Rams? Because if you the uh, uh, Niners or the Lions? Because if you ask me, it's the Lions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so, man. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, l- l- let me ask you this. Are you going with the lions this weekend? Cause I got to tell you, I, I am, I think Jared Goff to your point at this point right now in his career is a better quarterback. I think he's playing better. And I think the lions is just a dangerous team with a great story. Yeah. Well, Although- here's the thing. The league is so unpredictable, you know, and it's like you go based on how the Niners looked last weekend and I don't see how you could take them. I really don't because they 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 should have lost. They look terrible, and and I think the Lions can really run the ball, which is how the the Packers kind of kept in that game. So yeah, I'm taking the Lions this week, but but you know I feel like you know I don't love it, but I just feel like I just feel like the Lions just look the 49ers just look such trash last Saturday night. I, I don't know I don't know if I can trust that team, and they're and they're not going to have Debo Samuel probably. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a huge blow, um, and I think you know what like. All the pressure is on the 49ers. Like the Lions are like a team that like, like we can talk next year about pressure being on the Lions. This year, it's like they've surpassed all expectations. They've already done what they've never done before. And this is just like, they got the monkey off their back and they're trending in the right direction. And this is just like the cherry on top. Everybody, like everybody's free roll. Like, you know what I mean? Like they could lose this game and it's still a massive success for them. The 49ers, everything is riding on this game. Yeah, absolutely. They have the 49ers have all the pressure, all the expectations on them and let me ask you this you want to talk about momentum who has more momentum you know the the nine lions just had the win of the century right for for that many ways at home in back-to-back playoff wins um pulled away in the fourth quarter and looked great doing so and the 49ers eked out a win against the seventh seed and, and we're lucky to get it so who has more momentum going into this game yeah i mean clear it's clearly the the lions i mean the lions the, it's hard to argue that really anybody has more momentum than the Lions right now. It just seems like, uh, in not only does they have the most momentum, but they, I think they got the best the best story, the most chip on their shoulders. They got the most edge, the most edge out of yeah. any team right now. No and, and and Dan Campbell's word is from day one has been grit, and this is a gritty team, man. This is a team that's had to win two tough games. They've had to beat, um, you know, like look, this was a team that really got tested. In, in, in both those games and, and they responded and, and uh, including, you know, we call Jared Goff the most experienced quarterback in the NFC. Well, he was the second technically, right? He took out the first, the, the, the guy with the most experience in the, in the first round, he took out a Super Bowl champion in Matt Stafford. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, Jared Goff is in, in the, true. And in, in Jared Goff and these, and these lions have, have really done, I think just above and beyond what anybody expected. And uh, I, I'm pulling for them. I really love to see yeah. them in the Super Bowl. So, so, the, so I'll tell you, so, so you just hit on a couple of them, but the, the reason that I kind of like the lions and no one should listen to me, by the way, no one should listen to me based on the performance that I've put forward this year. Trying Same, to pick football yeah. game. 
But 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 why I like the Lions is because I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna shirk at the moment. Like I think they have that like you said that that hit your knee hit your kneecap mentality Dan Campbell thing right. Um, they got the more experienced quarterback who's been there before. They can run the ball right as good as anyone in the league, and they got two really good backs. And I think they got all the momentum and and the pressure is all on their opponent. And the other thing that I kind of love, and I guarantee you. This is either going to make them or break them on Sunday. I, this will be the one thing I definitively predict. Dan Campbell, they call him Gamble, Coach Gamble. He takes chances, right? And we saw that a little bit on um, on sa- Sunday, Saturday, Sunday with the game. Um, he's going to do something. Oh yeah, to to try and win this game. Yes, if fake punt, go for it on fourth down, go for two. Like he'll do something aggressive to yep. try and win this game. And, and it's either going to work or it's not. But I, when you're the underdog, I love when they go in with that mentality. Yeah, me too. I'm so looking forward to it. And you know what? Like the way it's kind of shaping up now, I mean, almost any of these matchups, I I think would have a would have a great story behind them, right? I mean, you can really you you can really get excited behind I think any any of these potential Super Bowl matchups, but. I'd love to see the Lions in there. To me, that's the most exciting team. That's the team with the best story. And uh, I think it would be a great, great upset for them to go into San Francisco and 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 waltz their way into the Super Bowl. Well, so far as to say this, if, if the Patriots can't make the Super Bowl, I think I would probably be rooting for the Lions more than I have any other non-Patriots team in a Super Bowl ever. Me too. Because, Me too. Because, you know, at least since I was, at least as my adult life, because I, I rooted for the Bills when I was a kid. The, they lost four in a row. But, you know, like, just in terms of, like, what it would mean to Detroit, I mean, the they, they're going to be America's team, and they're going to have the country behind them. Yeah. And it will make it will make the, the Super Bowl super interesting if it's the Lions versus the Chiefs or the Ravens versus the Niners. I mean, it's going to be, like you said, all of the combinations are good matchups. There's not a bad matchup. It's not like you got, like, a eight, nine team that got lucky or something like that, you know, something like that, or, or, or a team with an injured quarterback or something. It, they're all going to be good matchups, but that Lions, if they made it, those two weeks, they would be, I think it would be like an old school excitement around the Super Bowl that maybe we haven't felt in a long time as a nation, you know? I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that, cause that's the thing. I think when it gets to this point, it's like, who's the country rallying behind when your team's not in it anymore. Right. And I got to say, I think there's lions fans and, and a little bit of all of us, or at least most of us football fans. It's a great story. It'd it be is. like something up, you know? Yep. Yeah. All right. And then let's talk a little, Justin, we got to talk about the Buffalo and Kansas city game. That, and just another terrific game. There's so much to say about that game on both sides of the ball. So I don't even know where to begin, but uh, I guess we'll start with um, with the Buffalo Bills. And, um, well, actually, no, let's start with the Chiefs. And, again, this is another credit take that we should take credit for because we were 100% right about, which is Reedy Mahomes is a punch ticket to the conference championship team, a la Belichick and Brady. No matter how bad that team struggles, no matter how many holes they have or how poorly built they are, Reedy Mahomes will, will get you into – you know, into a playoff run, no matter what, because they're just both brilliant. And we saw this with Brady Manning play out for years and Manning had his moments against Brady because it went on for so long, but Brady usually beat Manning. Why? Because he was just a little bit better because he was just a little bit better. And it's the same thing with Mahomes and Allen. 
Allen might be the second best quarterback in the league. He's amazing. He's a terrific talent. Patrick Mahomes is just a little better. And that's why usually Patrick Mahomes comes out on top when they play. And some of those throws Mahomes made on Sunday, they only ran 44 plays on offense. They had like 400 yards in offense. They were money throws. Money throws. It was like watching Michael Jordan or, or something, or Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. I mean, just you're watching that level of greatness at a time when it counts the most. And, and that Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I mean, it was it was an amazing performance. Yeah, you you know you you just can't discredit what Patrick Mahomes is doing like on a on a year in year out game in game out basis. Like this guy, he's special, right? And like, look, like we're obviously always going to be, you know, uh, you know, Tom Brady guys. But I mean, how do you not look at this guy and say that? Well, not only is this guy incredible, he clearly the clearly the best in the game right now. But I mean, this guy's got potential to to be as 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 good as it gets and to go down as 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 the greatest there ever was, right? Like I think this guy is just so phenomenal. Um, the thing that's interesting too to point out, right, is like, you know, we've said this before, but it just keeps getting reinforced the further this Chiefs team goes. This is a team like we've seen this Chiefs team go to Super Bowls and win a Super Bowl with a high-flying torch you offense and barely any defense to speak of, right? And now we're potentially going to see them go to a Super Bowl with a struggling, um, you know, can't find their identity or, you know, not gelling offense, but a, a stout defense. And I think that's just going to show you that as long as you have a franchise quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, and as long as you have a head coach like Andy Reid, you can fill in. You can basically throw, you know, cover your eyes and throw darts with the rest of the talent you have, right. and distribute. You can really just distribute the rest of that talent wherever you see fit, and know that as long as you have a coach and a quarterback that can play and deliver at a high level like those two do week in and week out, that it really doesn't matter where the rest of that talent is. It can be in the defensive side of the ball. It can be in your offensive line. It can be in your skill players. It doesn't matter. They're going to find a way to make it work. It's so true. And it's just like with Brady, it's like Mahomes is always going to give you a requisite amount of offense to keep you competitive in these situations. And, and I mean, he created so much in that game on Sunday night with, with just his ability to throw accurately downfield from different angles, under pressure, on the move. It's unlike any quarterback we've ever seen. And, yeah. you know, look, I, I'm not putting Mahomes at Brady's level yet. He has a long way to for go. For sure, for sure. So he can do it sustainably. Like one of the things about Brady, he got better as he got older because his skill set was so um, resilient. It was intellectual. It was emotional. And and those skills improved. And so yeah. he improved. You know, I mean, Mahomes, is Mahomes going to be able to do it at 37, 38, 39 like he's doing it now? I think that's a real question because of the way he – wins which is which is which is just i mean he's a physically gifted guy yeah um unique but but that said you know i mean certainly mahomes is approaching that level he is absolutely one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the position i think you could safely put him in the top five all time i mean i've been watching football my whole life and i'd put brady marino montana i mean brady montana and um, manning my top three and i really think right now at this point Forgetting what happens the next 10 years. Yeah. At this point, I really think I might put Mahomes fourth because he's that good. Mm -hmm. He's that he's that special. So um, you know, look, 
if I was the Baltimore Ravens, how would you feel about getting Mahomes? I mean, I wouldn't feel great about 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 this. Is a tough matchup because Mahomes can do can, can can pick his team up and win any game at any time. Yeah, this is a super tough matchup for the Ravens. But you know what? Like, this is going to say one of two things. Like, and I know we just kind of solidified it. And I, regardless of what happens in the AFC Championship, I think all these things hold true. You know about Patrick Mahomes and and this Chiefs team with Andy Reid, but. Either one of two things is going to happen. Either Lamar Jackson, the Ravens are going to show that they are the real deal. None of this was a fluke. Like they're ready to take that next step and they're going to go out and they're going to take out the former champs. They're going to take out the Chiefs and they're going to move on to the Super Bowl. Or the Chiefs are going to continue to prove us right that, again, when you got the best quarterback, when you got one of the best coaches, everything else is plug and play and they're just going to rinse and repeat every year. Well, look, I think this year, compares a lot to the 2006 Patriots year with, with Rach Caldwell. And you remember in that year, the Patriots lost in the conference championship because, yeah. because, not because of Tom Brady, but because they didn't have the horses. And I would say the same thing. I mean, this is going to be a much tougher matchup for the chiefs. Let's not forget how beat up that Buffalo defense was last week. You know, and I think that they really struggled to stop Kansas city. I mean, Baltimore's defense is a much better defense and I think that it's going to be a much harder time for Kansas City. I'm not holding that against Mahomes if they go out and lose this week because I think rather, I think the way you have to look at it is say, look, this is not an indictment on Mahomes that he didn't win. This is a testament to Holmes, the Mahomes that he took this really sub-optimal collection of offensive talent and got them to where he got them to. And that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I think at this point, again, the, the chiefs are another team that's playing with house money right now. They're playing with the funny money, so to speak. Like it's, it's, you know, who has all the pressure on them in this game? Who do you think has all the pressure on them in this game? The Ravens and Lamar. Right. Absolutely. So they've all the pressure on them. Exactly. So, you know, everybody's been saying all year, oh, or, you know, at least towards the end of the year, and especially since the playoffs have been started, you know, 49ers, Ravens, 49ers, Ravens. I keep hearing that everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Um, but again, those are the two teams with all the pressure heading into uh, championship Sunday. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it be the, the, the Lions and the Chiefs, to be completely honest. It's all, all the pressure and all the expectations yeah. are on yeah. the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Buffalo, Justin, because it's like, in terms of like epic collapses, the Bills are the, are the franchise that just keeps on giving, you know, and how ironic was it that the game um, more or less ended with a wide right kick, uh, symbolic of their, you know, first Super Bowl loss and one of the most recognizable moments in American professional sports history, the, the, the Giants-Bills Super Bowl from 1990 and Scott Norwood's famous wide right kick. I, I thought that game was there for the taking for Buffalo. And, you know, there were so many points it, it, coming down the stretch of that game that, that the Bills, I mean, I felt like the Bills kind of outplayed them. But because of the brilliance of Mahomes, made a few plays, and all of a sudden you're in a dogfight in the second half. And Buffalo still, when it came down to it, had the ball in their hands with a chance to win the game. And as great a game as Josh Allen played, when it really came down to it, he did not come through. On that final drive, he missed a couple throws that were the difference between winning and losing. I'm not criticizing Josh Allen because he's amazing. He's the second best quarterback in the NFL, but it was right there for him and he didn't take it. It was right there. It, you know, the window, the window was open. I mean, this was, I think, for all intents and purposes, like 
his moment to in the Bills moment to to lose the the AFC this year. I mean, everything was kind of lining up. Now, don't get me wrong, having to go through Kansas City and then Baltimore would have been a tough road. But this team was built for it. I mean, they had all the momentum. I they they fought through the adversity, seemingly like you know, it it almost seemed like this year that that the 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 negativity in the the poor results, the the disappointment of the last four or five years caught up to them this year. And they dipped in, you know, Stefan Diggs this, in the locker room that, and people questioned Josh Allen and his turnovers and all this. And then they flipped that switch, right? They flipped that switch. They finished like the hottest team in football, made their way to the number two seed. And you just really thought that this was just like them putting it all together, peaking at the right time, finally getting right. over that hump. And just more of the same old, same old, the Bills just finding a way to lose. It's one of those funny things. I was talking about it today with someone. And it's like, you know, you look at what happened with Mahomes' career and he goes out, he wins early. He wins the Super Bowl in, his, I think, his second or third year as a star. 2019 was his second year as a starter. You look at Brady early in his career. He won in his first year as a starter. And they get this, like, positive, like, I don't know, atmosphere, momentum around them. And I think it takes a lot of pressure off them moving forward, right? And with Josh Allen, so much has gone wrong in key moments. Yes. And it's led to this like powder keg now of like negative energy and atmosphere around this team. Forevermore, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are going to have a ton of pressure on them in any postseason situation until they finally win a Super Bowl. And it is going to be an added thing that they're going to have to overcome no matter what, no matter how good they are, because it just, it just keeps getting more and more with each bad loss. Well, not only that, but you know, you, we alluded either earlier in the podcast or before we hopped on the air that, uh, this team is in trouble in terms of their 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 salary cap. Yeah, and, uh, big trouble. You know, there's a lot of talent in this team. I mean, they've drafted well. They've built a good defense. They've hit on some some good skill players. Obviously, bringing in a guy like Stephon Diggs, like they developed Josh Allen. But like, it's all coming to a head. Like, they're not going to be able to retain everybody. There's going to have to be some changes that are made. Like, there is undoubtedly no way that this just from a pure on paper roster standpoint, there's no way this is as talented of a roster heading into 2024 as it as it is right now. And and and, yeah. and that's an unfortunate reality that these Bills fans are gonna have to face. And, and, and what, you know, what do you do with Stefan Diggs, Justin? What do you do with Stefan Diggs? Because he was he was totally non-productive in the last like nine games they had. I mean, he, he and he doesn't want to be there. So that's your first thing. You gotta you gotta get rid of him. And I don't know what his contract situation is, but I'm guessing he probably is going to bring some kind of cap hit to to the Bills, and they're already in a bad cap situation. You know, you're going to have to find another number one wide receiver somehow that can catch the ball because Diggs is going to be gone next year, it looks like. Yeah, and I, I, wouldn't it be funny if Stephon Diggs went to Kansas City and helped solve their problems? That would oh – I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put it past him at all. But um, no, you know, Diggs, yeah – Whenever you get one of your most influential and um, important players on either side of the ball that are just noticeably uh, disruptive, upset, not not you know kind of um, buying into what's going on anymore, 
when they're doing it in public, I mean, what do you think's happening in the locker room and the practice field, you know, uh, behind closed doors? I mean, I, I, I really do think that there's a big issue right now. And, and I can't see anything being done over the off season, um, to heal the wounds going on right yeah. now between like some of the, some of the, the, the players on this team, especially somebody like Stefan Diggs. Correct me if I'm wrong. This has been going on since 2021. Didn't this start in 2021 postseason with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen? And they kind of patched it together in 21. And then they held it together last, last year, like barely. And I don't know how they kept it together this year, but it feels like they've, kept it together with like scotch tape and bubble gum just about as long as they can. Right. So I don't see it moving on um, in a positive moving forward in a positive way. You know, I think, I think is, is the window closed for Buffalo, Justin, you think their, their championship windows closed? It sounds like you think you do. I, yeah, man, I, you know, if they prove me wrong, they prove me wrong, but, but I think this window's closed. I mean, I just don't see how this uh, how this Bills team can can recover the way you know from 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 what they're going through right now. I just I think this is going to be honestly I I'm willing to say this could be a franchise crushing loss for the Buffalo Bills. You said that how many off seasons in a row for Buffalo? And, I think and eventually it's going to be true. It has yeah. to be true eventually. Well, I mean, Allen is such a great player. That's the thing. So they're they're always going to win their 10, 10 or eleven games. That that's that's just the nature of having a quarterback like. Josh Allen, but, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's not a franchise crushing loss because yeah. they can't win season. I feel badly for the fans though. I got to say like, I'm a Patriots fan. I got no love for Buffalo, but I, I was rooting for Buffalo. I really was. I, I felt like, you know, I would have liked to have seen them finally have their year. I would have loved to have seen a Buffalo Detroit Super Bowl. That to me would have been a, a feel good story uh, and two teams that, that mm-hmm. both deserve to, to win. My heart kind of went out to some of those fans because I mean, they've had crushing postseason yeah. defeats. Yeah, I mean, crushing every single year the last four seasons, one by one. The heart was ripped out by Joe Burrow a couple years ago. You know, there was the Allen Mahomes year that I think that was truly Buffalo's year, the year that they gave up the the 32nd drive or whatever to Pat Mahomes. Um, they've had, they've just had their guts ripped out. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, yeah. So if you go back the last five seasons, I believe. The way it went down was, uh, you know, these last five devastating finishes. They lost to a Texans team that came in uh, and beat them. They lost yep. to, I think they lost to uh, Mahomes yeah, twice in a row, back to back years. Twice in a row. Yep. yep. Then yep. Joe Burrow came in and spanked them in Buffalo, and now yep. Mahomes came back for a third time in six years and, and spanked them yep. in Buffalo. So, I mean, that's about is as bad as it as as it gets right there. And don't look. Yep. Granted, you know, five out of those six losses, uh, or no, sorry, four out of those sorry, four out of those five losses come at the hands of of two of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. So, you know, take that for for what you will, but I mean, the point being is that Josh Allen should or needs to find a way to get his name on the scoreboard. Like he cannot yeah. just be constantly losing uh these close games to the other quarterbacks that we consider some of the other best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. Um what about uh one last thing about this one that then we're going to wrap it up. McDermott, we talked about this a little when we were talking about Belichick, but, you know, where does he go from here, Justin? Because, like, in my book, 
he kind of dropped the ball too at the end of that game. Like if you're looking at the blame pie for Buffalo, it's easy to point the, the finger at the kicker. But to me, it came down to Allen missing a couple throws on the last drive and McDermott making some really bad decisions late in that game. And, and not the least of which is that fake punt, which I thought was just ridiculous and awful. And why would, why would they, why would they take that chance? And they got bailed out by what was probably right. the, you know, the worst rule in professional sports. I'm sorry. Is that fumble through the back of the end zone gives the other team a touchback. I hate that rule, but they got bailed out by that. If, if that hadn't happened, I mean, Kansas City probably wins this game by 10 points. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, they got bailed out big time. That's kind of the other thing that, you know, I, I, it is worthy of pointing out is that, yes, did um, uh, did they make an awful decision to to go for that fake punt with, with, with Tamar Hamlin? And I know what I know what he was going for, but I mean, Jesus, it, when it fails, it looks I mean, if it works, it looks great. But when it fails, it looks really bad. Oh, um, but I hated it. You can't do that. This isn't a movie. This isn't a Disney movie. No, I mean, you just can't no, it, it, exactly. No, you can't do that. But overall, they wound up getting the ball back in like relatively similar field position, like 30 seconds later. So at the end of the yeah, day, you know what I mean? They got lucky. That wasn't the decision that cost them the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, you know, it's a fair point, but, but they were, that, that was, that was more Stupid. serendipity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was more good luck. All right. Well, it, it should be a great weekend of football. You know, I, I watched, Last weekend, I watched 12, like almost 12 hours of football, four three-hour games, probably more than 12 hours. I watched like every snap from every game, which is about like I feel like what I typically watch every week, you know, between Thursday night and maybe you watch someone, you watch someone Sunday, maybe you watch a little Sunday night, Monday night. You know, I think I think this is the first week coming up where they're actually my football viewing will begin to take a, a plummeting precipitous drop just because there's only two games um, that, that'll be available to watch. There should be great games. Uh, very quickly because we already discussed it. I like, I like, I mean, I'm going with the Lions. I don't love them. Maybe it's more of a heart pick, but but I just I feel like it's what I'm rooting for. So I'm going with the Lions. And I think the Ravens will take care of business at home. So I guess I'm gonna go with the Baltimore Detroit Super Bowl. So I like the uh I like the Lions. I'm gonna go with the Lions too. I'm gonna go back to something that I was saying towards the end of the season. Um, that I was saying heading into the playoffs that I I veered away from. I fell for the fool's gold. These teams like Buffalo, um, you know, but what I was saying at the end of the year was that when you look at all of all of the uncertainty around the AFC right now, we said we don't know what the Ravens are going to be in the playoffs. We said, uh, look at how some of these other teams have fallen apart. We don't know what's going to happen with the Bills. They have holes. Miami's weak. Like, you know, all of this. We said, what a perfect opportunity for somebody like the Chiefs to just waltz back into a, a Super Bowl yeah. as as the team that's not on anybody's radar. They're being counted out because of their their lackluster on offense. But what a perfect opportunity for them to just have such an easy pathway right to a Super Bowl. And you know what? It's not going to be an easy pathway because they did have to go through Buffalo. They will have to go through the Ravens. But I think it is kind of funny that, you know, in a year where things were just kind of so in such disarray in the AFC that the team that could potentially emerge is, is old faithful. Um, yeah, and know. even if, even if it was one of those teams, Justin, like how many times do we see the Patriots and Brady and Belichick do that? You know, right? uh, win, win and crush one of those team seasons. Like I'm thinking the chargers, you know, in 2006 where they were like, 
one of the best teams in regular season history in the NFL. Yeah. Brady and Belichick are their stadium and end their season. Like Mahomes and Reed is is in any situation of, of a Super Bowl contender. And you're right. We said it all season long. We probably said it 50 times mm-hmm. on, on the podcast. And it bears fruit. And like, am I picking the Ravens? Yes, because I think they're the better team. I'm not going to be 1% surprised if if the Chiefs are the are the not only the winner of this game, but the Super Bowl champion when it's all said and done. And look, at that point, they 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 win again. They instantly become a dynasty if they aren't already. And then you really got to start really seriously comparing them to Brady and Belichick. You know, if you get to this point when you get past three rings and, and what happens with the back half nine of their careers, you know, I, th- I think that'll be a really intriguing thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's going to be super interesting to watch. I mean, you know, you got the Harbaugh narrative too, you know, you had the brother just winning the national championship, right? Could we get a Harbaugh, Harbaugh kind of sweep in, yeah. in, in college football in the NFL? You got the 49, be- you know, that would be, that would be something like basically any, any of these four teams as there's a great story to it. Lamar Jackson in, 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 yeah. in, in Jim Harbaugh. I mean, the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan finally getting to that point after knocking on the door, the lions. I mean that we don't even need to say anything about that. And then, yeah. you know, the chiefs and Mahomes' legacy adding yeah. building on that. I mean, going, going back to back. I mean, it would, yeah, it would just no be. No matter what happens, you're going to have storylines yeah. coming, coming out left and right. I mean, there are years where, like there are teams that I legitimately don't want to make it out of this final four. There are years when there is no potential Super Bowl combination that I'm like, man, you know, I, I feel good about right. that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of years like it. This is not that case. I mean, this is this is four good teams. There will be an interesting matchup, no matter who makes it. There will be a lot to talk about storyline wise, no matter who makes it. And um, it's it, it's gonna be a good Super Bowl, no matter what happens. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be great. Super looking forward to to next weekend. Um, like I said, would really love to see the the Lions make some noise. But either way, it's going to be good football. Two good, you know, two good games, and and hopefully two good teams moving on. Absolutely. Well, we'll be back. Listen, I'm I'm going to be in uh, I'm going to be in the world of the mouse next weekend, Disney World. But mm-hmm. I I do think I will I do foresee that I will have the opportunity to record. All right. In addition, to podcast, and I should be able to watch both games. I certainly plan. The schedule that way so that that is what the plan yeah. is so we want we want to thank everyone that took the time to listen to this week's episode of the doctor football podcast we are wrapping it up we are excited for this last week it's a long week till sunday two great games we want to thank everyone that listened and um we'll catch you next week everyone <laughs>